Um, we haven't even decided what we're talking about. Let's just go for it. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're shooting from the hip, folks. This is Sean McVeigh with Sean's Outdoor Adventures, and this is my new podcast, Faith and the Outdoors. I have a very bearded man with me today, and we're, this is my first time trying to do this virtually. So this should be an experiment for all of us. What we have in front of us is a gentleman named Justin Boucher. Justin, go ahead and say hi, and then we'll, after we give a little intro, we'll uh, do a prayer to get started. Go ahead. Uh, hi. Um, uh, <laughs> Very good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's there Justin Boucher. Um, yep. Actually, uh, we'll get into a full introduction. I'll give you guys all the history of, of who Justin is and how I know him. Let's start off with a quick prayer, though. And uh, let's just turn to our Father in heaven in the name of his son, Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we turn to you, and we thank you for an opportunity to be alive. I mean, the fact that you even made us, well, none of us deserves that. So thank you so much. And we ask, you, we ask you to help us continue to grow closer to you every single day. And um, help us to always trust in you when times are hard and, and our faith is challenged. Give us that grace and ability to trust you, that you have a plan, and all things work together to for the good for those who love you. So we thank you, and we praise you, and we make this prayer in your name, in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Father, Son, Holy amen. Spirit, amen. Okay, folks, this is Justin Boucher, and as you look at him, you see this adult man with a beard, and when I look at him, I see this 12-year-old kid with a skateboard, because uh, I grew up um, as sort of a... A big brother figure, big uh, kind of a mentor figure for Justin. Uh, we know each other from St. Mary's in Schwanksville, Pennsylvania. So we were parishioners there. And um, Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're obviously not a 12-year-old kid anymore, and you, you've nah. got a nice big beard. So uh, tell us a little about yourself, and then we're going to figure out what we're going to talk about. But, oh, and also want to mention... Justin also has a podcast, which I'd love for everybody to check out. Um, Growing oh, Catholics. Is it plural? Growing Catholics or Catholic? Yes. Okay. Growing Catholics. Growing Catholics because it's me and my wife. Yes. So um, I'll try to get links for that to put in the description of this podcast. But Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. All right. Uh, you also forgot you're my confirmation sponsor. No, I actually didn't forget that. I wanted to get into that though. I wanted. To <laughs> oh, okay. All right, there you go. That. And um, <laughs> so yeah, that that'll be part of our well, conversation. But go ahead, tell us a little bit about. Yourself. Um, I guess a quick summary of where I am now. Um, you know, I grew up Catholic, and I mean, as you know, and just I grew up Catholic, and I guess I everything that I did was just because that's the way it was. I never really took the time, I guess, to understand and, and dive deeper in and like the history of things. And um, once I got into my early, my late teens, early 20s, I kind of fell off where I was kind of going in a little bit and then I just dropped off again. And I got really into motorcycles and I started doing like the whole motorcycle clubs and I kind of got up pretty high into the club world. And um, then eventually my, my wife who was non-Catholic uh, she actually converted over to Catholicism. And during that time, um, well, backtrack a little bit. We wanted to raise our kids Catholic because even though I was not practicing Catholic, I knew I wanted to raise the kids Catholic because eventually at some point in time, I knew I was probably going to get back into it. But at the time I really wasn't interested in for myself. And as I was watching her 
and she was actually teaching me stuff and saying, Oh, you already know this stuff, but I didn't. Uh, she actually drew me back into it. And then, that, yeah, I started getting more involved in it. And then that's when we came up with the idea of doing the growing Catholics, which is, you know, she's a, uh, she's a convert and I'm a, a was it the cradle Catholic, right? Yeah. Um, and so we're both, even though I've been a Catholic for 35 years of my life, I'm still, it's like I'm an entry level now because now instead of it just being, that's what it is. Now I'm actually learning about the stuff. So whereas we're growing, we're both growing and we would document it so people could see, you know, the the daily struggles that we go through. You never know. So, so yeah. And thank you for sharing that Uh, guys, a little bit more about, uh, Justin is, um, so met his family at, church and his mom is very involved she runs the well, i don't know if she still does she probably still does but the she started a eucharistic adoration chapel at saint mary's it's still there yeah. um and so very involved person and i met her through rosary prayer groups and things like that and she saw this young guy trying real hard in his faith i was really confused at the time because everyone was telling me i'm supposed to be a priest and being a lifelong Catholic, I'm like, I didn't ever feel called to it. Did I miss something? Am I not doing what God wants? And so I was going through a tough time with that and going to all these prayer groups, going to adoration. And that's how I really became friends with his mom, Justin's mom. Justin has an older brother and she's like, Hey, would you come hang out with my boys? Cause I really want them to see an example of a young man trying to live his faith. I'm like, yeah, sure. So yeah, we started hanging out. I would skateboard with those guys in the basement. They had little ramps they built and um, <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. And, um, and I was their confirmation sponsor, both of them. And the funny thing is it, when you guys got confirmed, you and your brother, that time period, I was in the religious order. I joined the religious order of Franciscans to try to figure out, is this what I'm supposed to do with my life? And they wouldn't let me leave to be at the confirmation. So my mother had to stand in proxy for me. Um, so anyhow, here's another interesting detail. Um, so what is confirmation? People might be wondering right now. Confirmation is one of the sacraments of initiation. So there's baptism. Confirmation and Holy Eucharist. These three sacraments combined fully initiate someone into the church. And if you are an adult who is getting your sacraments, all of them for the first time, you get them all at once at the Easter Vigil Mass, typically. But for someone who's baptized as an infant in the Catholic faith, you kind of grow up in the faith and you get confirmation as a young adult, probably in your early teens, right around that time. So when Justin was an early teen, I was in New York City in a in religious order. So, um, so that's so, how that happened. Yeah, go ahead. So if I'm correct, like you know, you're baptized when you get baptized as an infant. It's more so the parents are doing the confirming that you're going to be Catholic, and then when you have hit confirmation, it's more so you are acknowledging the fact of your yes. your Catholic faith. Yeah. Okay. And so. At your baptism, it's your parents and godparent or parents. It's typically god godparents, a male and a female usually. Um, and so they speak on your behalf. They proclaim that, yes, we have fully intend to raise this child in the faith. And then, as you said, as a, as a young adult, you have the opportunity now to say, yeah, 
I'm taking the reins of this car and I'm going to start driving. And you receive the full outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When an adult who is not, was your wife baptized when she came into the faith? Yes. Okay. So yeah. I mean, she had to go through, she had to go through um, the whole RCEP yeah, uh, so, program. Yeah. So for anybody who's, who's watching right now or listening, um, there's really two paths. If you're an adult and you've never been baptized, then you receive all three sacraments of initiation, typically at the Easter Vigil Mass. And in the early church, that's how it was done, because a lot of the people coming into church were adults. Now, children were also baptized. It's even mentioned in Scripture that when people came to believe, their whole household was baptized. And the whole household was the, the way of term did terminology for everyone, which is like even the infants were getting baptized. And if you follow the early church documents, they used to like argue, should they wait till the eighth day to do baptisms? Because that's when circumcision was done the eighth day and baptism essentially replaced that. Now coming full circle with your wife, if, if someone is baptized validly, that is with water in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit with the intention of baptizing, then the church recognizes that as a legitimate baptism because baptism is necessary for salvation. And so the church having the keys of authority says, look, even though we have unfortunately separated brethren out there who are not full, fully initiated into the Catholic faith and not fully members of the fullness of truth, uh, we still want salvation. And so they recognize that. So your wife was legitimately baptized with the proper form. And so she just needed her confirmation in Eucharist. So she would be called a candidate. And someone who is not baptized at all would be, once they go through the rite of um, initiation, not the, the uh, rite of acceptance, then they become a catechumen. And so that so they go through, typically most parishes have them going through RCIA together. And then they, the candidates, which is what your wife was, received confirmation in Holy Eucharist at the Easter Vigil Mass. Is that how it, it played out for her? Yeah, yeah. She she all, got all of it at the Easter Vigil. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, I'm editing this podcast, and I just am listening to it right now. And I realized while I was talking right there, somehow I thought in my head that Justin's wife was baptized before coming into the Catholic Church. So I was speaking as if somebody was already baptized outside the Catholic Church, but then was becoming a full member of the church by uh, receiving the sacraments of initiation of the Holy Eucharist and confirmation. That's a candidate. His wife was someone who was not baptized, so she received all three sacraments of initiation. She would have been a catechumen coming into the church. So I apologize for my mix-up in the way I was explaining it there. A candidate is someone who is baptized outside the Catholic Church and is now coming into the Catholic Church, and a catechumen is somebody who has never even been baptized, and they're going to receive all three sacraments of initiation, typically at the Easter Vigil. Now back to the podcast as it was previously going. Now the reason for that is um, we're an Easter people. Like uh, the resurrection is the victory over death, and, and it's a new life. It's the eighth day, the day of the resurrection. That's why the Catholic Church, from the time of the apostles, made the holy day 
Sunday as opposed to the Sabbath day Saturday because it's a new creation. By the death and resurrection of Jesus, he he gave us the ability to be made new, you know. And so, um, so we celebrate Mass every single Sunday to commemorate Easter. So we are an Easter people, and because Easter is the high point of it all, that's when we bring everybody into the church because this is what it's all about. We are a resurrection people. So, and um, I I do have people asking me, then why do you have Jesus on a crucifix? And and those of you <laughs> who are watching the video now, I just picked up my crucifix. It's because as a follower of Jesus, he tells us every day to carry our cross, and so it's to to look at a crucifix is what not only reminds us of the love of Christ, the depth of the love, but it inspires us to follow him to the point of death. And that's what this represents. And it's the, it's, it, it's the grind, the everyday grind of suffering that the crucifix is what inspires us on as opposed to an empty piece of wood. So anyhow. so And I, I think that's, a at least for me, I have such a hard time focusing. Mm. And so like if I'm looking at something, it's a heck of a lot easier to to get that, especially if like if you're praying the rosary and I'm looking at the what the decade is for like the agony of the garden or the scourge. I get to kind of visualize that and I get to look at something versus trying to make up something in my head where I get lost in my head. But if I have something I can look at, it kind of keeps me focused um, for someone who gets easily distracted. <laughs> yeah, so you're like the rest of us or most of us anyhow. So, yeah. Um, so guys, those who are watching and listening, we have, we are so unplanned for this podcast. Like we just, we just wanted to see where it would go. So Justin, um, what are some thoughts you had coming into this podcast? So we're going to talk about faith here in this first half and then the outdoors in the second half, but faith related, was there anything you wanted to talk to people about or, any questions that people have asked you that you're like, eh, I'm not sure the best way to answer or whatever. Like, um, what did, what was on your mind coming into this? Was there anything in particular? Uh, sometimes it's a blank, blank space in my head sometimes, okay. but like, I think, I think at least now I'm experiencing it a lot when you go a certain period without being involved in your church or going to mass or, or doing th certain things you rely on the way you feel. Mm. So it's like, for example, me and my wife just got back from a retreat and you have that retreat high where it's like you get you get back and it's like it's everything's great, but then it drops. Mm -hmm. You're feeling your your feelings like, oh, it's not the same as I was when I was on the retreat. And then you go back right into your slump. And there's certain things that we've been doing to kind of keep that momentum going is 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 going to weekly mass. Mm. Um, and just doing things. And because when we originally moved in we moved from Northern Lancaster to Southern Lancaster, and when we did that move, it threw off our entire routine mm -hmm. and it took us a while to get back into it. And it's just like, we realized we're like, all right, this is what we made, you know, this is what we did. And this is what we're missing now. Let's go back to that. Cause you got into the hole. We weren't feeling it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just a, a reminder that the stuff that you do on a daily basis, and now we pray in the morning, we'll spend like 30 minutes to 45 minutes praying first thing in the morning before I go to work. Um, and it kind of just sets the day. So it's just something. Yeah, I think that's important too for everyone that's listening. Um, you know, I remember going over to Justin's house when he was 12, like I was talking about before, and your mom had a little 
play altar and you guys would say mass. <laughs> you, you pretend to be a priest and say mass. I'm sure your mom was hoping one of you would want to be one. Um, I was just thinking that the other day when I remember you were helping me and you were like, water from the faucet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yep. Yep. Um, so it, what, when he just said water from the faucet, people who are listening may not really understand what, what meant. So at communion, because we believe it's the body and blood of Jesus, you, when you go up to communion, the, the priest or the deacon or the extraordinary minister of the Eucharist will hold up the host that we believe is now the body of Jesus, and they'll say, body of Christ. And we say, amen, which means I believe. I believe this is the body of Christ. And when it, they also provide the sacred blood in the form of wine, uh, they say the blood of Christ. And then you say, amen. So when we were doing this play mass, and I was trying to <laughs> respect the true body and blood of Jesus and still do the play mass. So we had water from the faucet instead of, you know, <laughs> so what he's talking about is when we did communion, I said water from the faucet as opposed to blood of Christ. And now that makes sense for everybody who's listening who was like, what does he mean, water from the faucet? Uh, anyhow, coming back, coming back to it. So here we have, um, you know, a young kid who's being raised in the faith. Uh, being kind of told the nuts and bolts of it, but not really understanding the the spiritual in-depth understanding of it. And Justin, you kind of shared with us, you, you, you strayed from that. You know, you went into the biker world, w- which was some things that really take you away from your faith. Some of the things you've shared with me. Um, but now here you are back and you're even doing a podcast called Growing Catholics. And I wanted to highlight that because there may be people watching or listening who may think to themselves something to the effect, you know, when I was a kid, I actually believed. I actually went to church. I don't do that anymore. What happened? Or or I can't do it anymore. Or there might be like the devil trying to whisper to you saying, you can't go back to that. You've been away too long. Mm. And I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get to in my long-winded approach is that don't listen to that. We're we're human beings, and we all kind of drift at times. The important thing is to recognize it and come back. Come back to your faith and make an effort. That's the key is make an effort. Justin, look at Justin. If you're watching the video, look at that man sitting there. He is making an effort, and he just explained the ups and downs of it. And unless you make the effort, it's not going to happen, and you can't rely on feelings, as he just said. you got to commit. And just do it. So that's the the faith and feelings are not the same. Faith you need to be committed to, and that's just as simple as simple as making the choice, right, Justin? I mean, no, exactly. And I, I just to point in there, I at least for me there was a huge turn. Like it was very subtle, but it happened. It, it felt like it happened fast, but it was very subtle. And who I was hanging out with. And who I had fun with was, you know, going on bikes and then going cruising and going to a bunch of bars and things like that. And as I felt that tug pull on me, eventually over time, I'm just sitting there like, I don't have anything in common with these people. And not to say there are bad people. It's just like, I'm like, I'm feeling different before I felt like I was part like, I'm. I got a question for you. So when you said yes. you felt that tug, what what do you mean by you felt that tug? You said I uh, it was tug. almost like you know, it it was almost like when I when I was watching Mercedes 
you know, Mercedes uh, convert. Yeah. Watching her doing the, you know, going through that whole conversion. And then I would see guys like, even like yourself, when I would watch you on your, your videos, or I would see, um, father Mike videos or whatever the videos may be because my wife was watching that stuff. And I was just, there was something about it that I was like, I want that. I want some, what you guys have. Mm. And it was not something I could really explain. It's just, I knew there was like a piece. And so like, I, all I can, the best way I can put it is there's that little tug that you're like, Hey, you know, you can, you can do this too. And then I'm like, uh, it's all right. So I'd go back to my normal ways and I would just be sitting in a a bar with everybody. And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's empty. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're with other people and you feel alone. That's, that's what that is. And I eventually I found myself wanting to, uh, align myself with people who I could have those conversations like about God. And, and like, that's who I associate now with, mm. um, people who I can have those conversations, or if I have a question about my faith and be like, Hey, have you ever thought about this? And then I can get actual honest feedback about that. Right. Um, it, er, everything who you associate with, but if you're, you're feeling like that, I, I'm not sure if I belong here. Mm. There's always a time where you can, you know, jet out, you know? So, yeah. And I'd say what would be, I mean, if, if you think back to that, was there one thing that was the hardest as far as getting out of making the step to kind of step away from that and to pursue some faith a little bit, like what would be the hardest thing there? Um, Oh, probably telling people, Okay. Like it, like her guys that, Hey guys, I'm kind of, I'm not going to do this anymore. Or yeah. Like that was, that was, that was a tough one for me. Like, um, cause it was a, it was a, it was a very well-known yeah. uh, Merceau club. Um, and it's just their values, you know, didn't align with mine. Right. And so I had to, you know, I talked to my wife about it a lot and I'm like, you know, I could still stay here. And I can still be this way, but then I felt like I was living two different lives. I was living one side over here right. and then another one over here. Even though I may have not been participating in everything, it was just, it still felt like I was like, I can be Catholic on, you know, on this day, and then I'll be biker boy on this day. Right. And it just wasn't so, really. Um, I, You know, what's coming to my mind, there's a, a story that Jesus basically says um, that, he, you know, a demon gets cast out of somebody and the inside swept clean. And then the demon comes back and is like, Oh, it's, I can't get in. So the demon goes and gets like seven more, more powerful than, than that one is. And then they all come back and then they possess the person, all of them. And, the, and they they end up worse <laughs> in the end. And um, <laughs> the, the, the point of that though, is if you, if, if you take something out of a space, you've got to fill it. You've got to fill it or it can be other things can creep back in, even worse things. So in this regard, if you're going to take something like the drinking life out, you've got to put something in its place. For you, mm-hmm. it's the faith journey. You know, you're growing in your faith. And you've got to keep putting that in 
and not allow those other, let's call them demons, back in because if you start to let them back in, they can get even worse. That's kind of the, the point there. And, and I just felt like mentioning that because there could be people out there listening who are listening to you, Justin, and thinking, man, I got to do what this guy's doing, and I got to get out of this drinking life or this type of life or this empty life that I'm in, and I don't know how to do it. Well, that's why I'm sharing this is like, you've got to put something in there. Why not put the faith journey in there and really commit to it and stay committed to it so that the other stuff doesn't creep back in, you know, cause I yeah. think the, the, uh, the road of conversion is long and you got to be committed to it. Cause there are times we might backslide or slip up, uh, but we can't let those things take hold. We got to get right back on the journey, the faith journey, so that that other stuff doesn't have a chance to take root. Yep. And for anyone, you know, who think, oh, well, that was, you know, you got to, I'm going through, this is all recent. So like, this is fairly recent that I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this. So it's like, you know, I don't know if you feel like there's that, that uh, you're looking for something and where you're at is not it. Eh, you know, there's that piece. Here's another thing. And, and I'm going to, I mean, Justin, a big part of your journey w was RCIA with your wife. Did, were you her sponsor? Yeah. No, okay. no. Because I, I really wasn't too involved with it. Right. Okay. I just kind of watched from afar. Okay. Well, when I was in college um, is when God kind of woke me up. And I went to Mass. I started going to Mass every, every Sunday. And in the first Mass that I went to, the priest is like, hey, We've got 10,000 registered Catholics on this campus. I was at Penn State. And we have 40 students who want to become Catholic. They're going through RCA. We don't have enough people to sponsor them. And I was like, ah, I wish I had time. I don't have time, you know. And then, But I volunteered for something else. And I went to the uh, training session, actually, to be an extraordinary minister of the Eucharist. And I mentioned to the priest, I'm like, yeah, I, th I heard you'd mention you need RCIA sponsors. And I was going to say, but I don't have time. But before I could say that, he's like, oh, great. We meet on Sunday nights and we meet on Sundays and this and that. And you got to be here for Easter. So I'll see you on Thursday. And I'm like, um, I guess. I, I was like, I couldn't say no to him, you know. And um, so I kind of got roped into it, not fully intentionally. But it was the best thing in the world. I went to Catholic school, mm -hmm. kindergarten through 12th grade, same as you, Justin. It wasn't until that time as a young adult that I wanted it. I was like absorbing it like this sponge, and I was just so happy. And so if you're a Catholic out there listening who maybe has left the faith or has fallen away from your faith, here's the formula that works for me and Justin is we both had some involvement with RCIA. You, your wife was going mm -hmm. through it, so you were hearing it. I went through it as a sponsor, but I was like, I felt like I was the one learning everything. Like, I would go every week. <laughs> there were times the girl that I was sponsoring wasn't even there, and I'm the sponsor sitting there by myself, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I'm not missing it. There's no way. Because it was just so awesome, you know? And um, so anyway, you got to commit. You got to make a commitment. One, get yourself going back to Mass. Get yourself back to the sacraments. Go to confession. Oh, my goodness, it's the most amazing thing. You will feel so set free. I just I can't even put it in words. So confession, but but to make the commitment to just go to the church and say, hey, look, 
I want to be involved with RCIA. Even if it's just me coming and listening to what you're teaching right now, then that's what I want to do. I'm Catholic already, but I just want to come. And it's, it's, it's such a great foundation for being reconnected with your faith and being enlivened in your faith. I mean, talk to us about that. Don't rely on your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> talk to us about like, um, the, you, you, you mentioned a retreat. I mean, you mentioned the RCIA, like these things, what is it that these things have done for you in the faith journey? Um, I, I, I feel I, it's the best way. I, I feel happier. I feel like I'm like, there's a purpose. Yeah. Um, it's not like I'm just, it's not like I'm searching for something anymore. Mm -hmm. It feels like I got it. Mm -hmm. Now the only searching I'm doing is the diving deeper into it. Um, I've really, really gotten really interested in the history of stuff about it. Mm -hmm. Like I, your, your path, your last few podcasts, when you're diving into the history of that stuff, I was really zoned in on that. Like I was like, I found it very fascinating. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's true. It's something I, we talked about on our podcast was, you know, you look back the, the, the founders of certain religion um, or yeah religions, you're like, all right, this was founded this time. This was founded this time. Well, go back at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't you want to be part of something that was started by Jesus himself? Right. And versus having a, a, you know, Martin Luther founded this really, I mean, it's like, now you're putting all your faith into a man versus Jesus. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's what's really been really driving me. Like yeah. the diving in deeper and understanding it better than, cause my mom did a great job of teaching us the stuff and I know this stuff, right. but I probably at the time, like I just wasn't paying attention as to why we did certain right. things. Right. So I'm not going to throw that at her and be like, Oh, you didn't teach me. She, I guarantee she probably did because you know her. Um, but now I'm, I'm learning deeper in, into it. Yeah, that's cool. And that's the, um, I think that's the thing that many of us, you know, w when we are young adults, we, we we want the why and we do want it. It's It's that whole element of wanting it. Like our parents gave us the foundation. And then from there, we reached a maturity where we're like, I want this for myself. And so then mm -hmm. it's that whole thing. When you take it into your hands and you make the effort, it's the game changer. So again, I want to make an appeal to Catholics who are out there listening, who have left your faith and you know, you think oh, I, I didn't get anything out of it. Well, you know what? Cause a lot of times when we don't necessarily know why we're doing what we're doing, we're also not making a full hearted effort in what we're doing. It's not until you make the investment of your heart and mind that God comes blasting through and you experience the joy. So if you were one of those people who said, I didn't get anything out of it, so I left, well, here you are as a more <laughs> mature person. I'm inviting you back once again, only this time, seek to understand why you're doing what you're doing and give that full-hearted effort and you will experience God. No question. You will. Yep. Yep. He says, yep. Well, guys, yep. I think I mean, <laughs> we're getting near the half hour mark. I think we're actually at the half hour mark. So now's the time in the show when we transition into our outdoor related topic. <laughs> I got some good ones on that. All right. Justin, give everybody who's listening and watching a synopsis of your 
journey in the great outdoors. And I want you to kind of culminate in hunting. I mean, but it goes beyond just hunting, but give us a snapshot of your journey with the outdoors. Um, I've, well, I've always been fascinated with being outdoors. I mean, I remember when, when I was younger, my favorite retreats were into the wild retreats when you were outdoors camping and things like that. And so I've always been, um, uh, I've just something with the outdoors. I love the woods mm-hmm. and, you know, in my early twenties and so forth, like I was really into the fishing, the hunting and things like that, but I never did it. Like I, I went fishing, but I've always was fascinated with hunting, but I never went hunting. I, like I said, I got more into the motorcycle world mm. than I did with the outdoors. And like, I was so busy with that. That's like took over everything. Mm. And uh, it wasn't until this recent years when I really got into, I was like, all right, enough's enough. I'm not going to keep saying I want to do, it, I want to do it. So I started fishing more. And then I started reading up on, on the hunting and, uh, and of course with me, my hobbies, I go full force mm-hmm. into everything I, I, I try to do. And, uh, did I, did, I give, did I give you a copy of my hunting book, how to hunt deer with, with proven success? No, but I was going to pick that up. Uh, well, uh, well, I am going to give you a copy as my way of thanking you for being Woo-hoo! on the podcast. Yeah. So I'll have to, <laughs> I'll mail it out to you or something. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. Oh, awesome. No, you're good. So yeah, I went, I went out, uh, trout fishing multiple times me and my uh my oldest uh she caught some really big ones and uh i first time i flayed them up you know i did the the works and it was great and uh then i started gearing myself towards hunting and i'm like i don't know what to hunt like oh, i want i want to hunt deer but you know what? I also want to hunt small stuff too. Like I just want to hunt. So I was getting stuff to, to hunt everything. Like, you know, you would have thought I was been a hunter all, for 30. Yeah. Yeah. I was ready to go for anything, you you know, anything at any time. And I really wanted to do uh, archery, but I have not had enough time to practice. I got that. Uh, was it the Selena dragon eight dragon that you recommended? Eight. Yeah, I, I got that, but I got that probably three Christmases ago. Yeah. And I think I've only used it once. Um, and the first time (laughs) I know I I got it and I was like showing my buddy, I'm like, Oh, look, I got, I finally got it. And it set for an entire year before I actually took it out and used it. And, uh, that's just, you know, like I was into it. I just actually never did it. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So then this year I was like, all right, I can't do, uh, use that right now this year because i'm like i i have i'd be the guy who'd just be shooting it and i don't want to like torture the animal right. uh so for my own pleasure so we're listening he what he means is he didn't really get a chance to practice with it over the summer and now we came up upon hunting season and he want he's like i want to hunt but i'm not i'm not going to be ready to do it with a bow so that's kind of what i think yep. i was trying to say with that exactly i didn't i did not practice enough to actually get good to my target and i was talking to my brother-in-law and uh, i'm like yeah i i I really want to go archery hunting but i i I can't and then he recommended just get a crossbow yeah i'm like i never thought about that i'm pretty good aim you know so like i i end up getting one and i i practiced with that one and i got my sights in good i'm like all right i can do this uh went out and man, I was praying for that deer. I was like, cause he set me up in a spike. He goes, there's been deer every single morning here. 
and I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Good thing I didn't get anything because I totally forgot to get my archery stand. And the the warden comes up and uh, I had my bow already in my truck. And uh, he's like, uh, looking through, he goes, do you you have your archery stamp? I'm like, "Um, I got whatever (laughs) I'm doing. I'm like, I I got whatever, you know, I I got. And he goes, uh, all right, well, since I didn't see you have a bow in your hand, I'm just going to assume it's in the truck. Since I didn't see you have a bow in your hand, I'm just going to give you a warning. And I'm like, all right, thank you. Because I guarantee, I mean, if I got that, if I got a deer, I'm pretty sure I would have gotten a fine for that. Right. Guy was so, uh, you know, the guy yeah, was, exactly the guy has our best interest in mind. And we don't always see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, and you know, I got to say, and those of you who are listening, Justin is in Pennsylvania, if we didn't make that clear. And so they do allow crossbows during the archery season there. And you are very fortunate that that game warden uh, kind of gave you a warning because. Man, I have had my run-ins with Pennsylvania game wardens who were, they just wanted to find a way to slap you with some kind of fine. And I've I've had a few that were, like, ridiculous. Uh, I wrote about them in some of my books. I don't know. The one, the book that I'm going to send you, I can't remember if I put any of those stories in there. The other one, I think I had one. Uh, the, the one the one was <laughs> I was videoing my cousin. I You know, I didn't even have a bow. And we were on, you know, public land in Pennsylvania, state game lands. So I, I gave him my climber, and I went down through the woods. I was just going to video from the ground. And I see this ladder leaning against a tree. I'm like, oh, I'll just climb up the ladder and hang on the tree and film, you know. And I'm like maybe 40 yards from my cousin. And as soon as I get up in the ladder, I'm standing there. I see this guy with a plaid shirt, like creeping down through the woods right at me. And he has this weird look on his face. I'm like, I'm thinking, what's, <laughs> what is this guy doing? You know? And as he gets really close, he peels off the plaid and he shows the badge and he's like, ha ha, I gotcha. You know? And he's like, write me up with this fine for damaging the tree. Cause there was a bow holder screwed into the tree. And he, it's like, it was like over a hundred dollars. I mean, this is going back probably 20 years ago, even. And I'm like, dude, I, I didn't, I didn't do that. I I'm just here with my cousin. I saw this here. I just thought I'd get up off the ground and video him. I didn't, I don't, I didn't put any of this here. He's like, well, you're using it. It's your fault. I'm like, what? I mean, like, I mean, I wasn't even hunting, you know, and it was a bow holder that was screwed into the tree. I didn't even have a bow. And so, um, it was it was ridiculous, and then I was so upset by that. I just went, I told my cousin to stay in the stand, even though the hunt was probably ruined because the guys like talking, and I mean it's like um, during you know the probably the last couple hours of the day. So anyhow, I went in and sat in the car, and at the end of the hunt, this guy with a beard comes walking in, and he goes down and like I guess checks his trail camera. He was w- making sure we didn't steal it or break it or whatever. I'm like. I was like, hey, by the way, is that your ladder down there? He's like, yeah, but I don't use that till gun season. you know. So I went <laughs> back the next day because the warden agreed to come back the next day and see if somebody else was hunting out of that tree. So I went back the next day, and I sat there till he showed up, and I said, I met the guy. This is his name. He told me where he lives. That's the guy whose ladder it is, and he's not going to be there till shotgun season. So I was on the phone with them for a whole, like, week trying to get them to let, like not give me this fine. And they, they finally like let me go. But I was like, come on, you know, like that's just, that's how, that's, 
so unfortunately, some people have had those types of experiences with the officers, but I'm glad that you didn't have to go through that. No, I, I, it, I lucked out with that one. And thank God, because he was, you know, what I, it goes back to it's what I want versus what he knows is best. Right. And had I gotten that deer, the things would have been a little bit different. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, that, that's the, the fact that you have to go through that much work to get something out that wasn't your fault to begin with. Yeah. Um, that's mind blowing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's hopefully, I think they've probably, in the training, they've probably improved the training to basically ask officers to to not be that way. To like, hey, look, we want people to enjoy the outdoors. Let's help them enjoy the outdoors. If I mean, if they've made them, like you're brand new. You had nobody coaching yeah. you. You're just like, I'm going to go get my hunting license. I want to, you know, um, you just didn't you didn't know all the details of what you needed. And, and so he's like, all right. I see that I'm going to let this guy go. That's great. I mean, that's, so now you're still in it. You're, you're not like discouraged yeah. from like, Oh, I tried to hunting, but then I got this huge fine. I didn't know what was going on. And you know, so that's, that's a good thing. And um, what, tell us about your, your hunting success that you've had more recently. You, you <laughs> with me. Tell our viewers about that. Tell us what happened. So um, the other one I was trying to go for it too was squirrel hunting. Cause I figured I was like, all right, let me go for some small game. I can, that I have more time for, or like small game, because if I get off work, I can just go, you know, there's a state game land, which is five minutes from my house. Yeah. Um, so I can quickly get home. If I get home early enough, I can drive down there in the afternoon. And you know, the first time there was success. Uh, I think I went another time after that. And then, I went to another time and I tried the whole sit and wait method. You know, they're like, Oh, treat it like if you're hunting deer. So I just, I, I brought a, a fold up chair. I plopped it right down near a bunch of, a bunch of oak trees where I saw um, acorns are chewed up and things like that. And I just sat and waited. And uh, this time I was like, come on, you guys, can, I gotta get something this year, please Lord, give me something. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw the squirrel <laughs> and I, well, I saw a few other squirrels, but like, I, I couldn't get the shot off. Cause I was like, all right, I'm just not going to just go blast into the woods. Right. Just, you know, again, and this one, it happened so fast. I thought like it was right in my sight. I'm like, all right, this is, this is perfect. And now I'm looking at it. It wasn't a good shot, but I well, well, shot, I still got it. Okay. First of all, what what kind of a gun were you using? Uh, twelve gauge. Twelve gauge gun. Okay, twelve gauge shotgun. And yeah. you see the squirrel. How far from you was the squirrel? Mm, maybe 30, 35 feet. Thirty five feet. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so he's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, and. He, I know you love this one, but he was looking right at me head on. And I'm just like, that's a great shot. So I took it. And now I'm like, yeah, that was not the perfect shot. I should have waited for it to turn, but I was just so excited. Um, I just basically blew the, you know, the whole upper part, you know, and so, so 30, 30 feet is, is 10 yards. So we're talking about, about it. Are you, are you sure he was that? Was he about 10 yards? Uh, okay. Maybe 40 feet then. Okay. So it, it, I don't think it was 10. 
I mean, he's yeah. close. In other words, though, he's pretty close. It was close. It was close he's enough. Close. He, he tasted the 12 gauge on that one. Wow. Okay. So, so he, uh, so, and then, and then, go ahead. Well, I'm like, all right. I, I gather it up. I'm like, all right, here we go. I, I got one. I was so pumped. This is my first time Absolutely. ever getting something. But then I go to try to field dress it. And, I do the town method because I'm like, all right, what's the best way to do? I'm like, I'm driving back. I've already seen this video maybe 10, 20 times. I'm like, let me watch it again. So they're doing the town method, but I destroyed the upper body of it. As I'm pulling the the skin off, it just rips right in half. So, <laughs> but I was able to save at least the back end and I was able to eat those, which was, which was good. Um, how did you prepare? Like, how did you cook the, the squirrel? Uh, deep fried deep fried oh nice yeah i i double batted that thing yeah i made it nice and crispy you couldn't you wouldn't have been able to tell <laughs> well and that's fun so, but you know um learning from that like what kind of a shot angle are you going to look for on a future squirrel hunt like is there a shot angle that you would prefer then so that you don't run into that kind of a problem side like i would prefer if it was aiming, if it was aiming at the head while he's facing sideways is that basically yeah about yeah yeah i mean uh, unless you have a better recommendation no i figured no. that would be the better yeah, yeah. better no, better option no, i i agree i mean myself being a bow hunter i usually just i would just aim at that shoulder area with the with an arrow but if i was using a gun i would just try to hit the head and and save yeah. as much of the meat as possible. Yeah, twelve. And I got a little twenty-two. Yeah, a lot of people. But I twenty-twos. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, and I I was gonna try. Like I said, I mean, I ended up getting a shotgun. I ended up getting twenty-two. Yeah. So, but I was like, all right, I I, I want to hunt because I was trying to be etiquette, you know, trying to do the whole etiquette thing because like someone who is doing archery in archery season right now, I didn't want to be blasting through a shotgun, uh, making a bunch of noise. So I figured maybe I can get a twenty-two a little bit less noise so it doesn't hopefully disturb them too much and um the 22 i got but then i i started reading up and they're like all right well if you're starting out squirrels are a tough one to get you know mm -hmm. your, your first couple of times so i was like oh, let me ease myself into with a shotgun even though i wasted half of the the meat um you know right. Now I'm getting the, yeah. the idea of it. Yeah. And so, um, and we talked about this too. You were asking me some etiquette stuff and I, and I said, well, you know, early archery season, bow hunters are mainly out in the morning and the evening. They're not doing all day sits typically. So, you know, squirrel hunting, go, go out midday if you, you know, if you can, yeah. and, and you're not going to be messing up a bow hunter. Um, and, and even, you know what? The other thing, you might even bump deer to a bow hunter. Like if you, if you know someone's hunting and you just try to go a different direction, you know, deer might circle around you and go right to that hunter. You might actually help them uh, too. It, it just all depends. But, but yeah, in this time of year, now we're getting into the rut. Today is November the second, so a lot of guys they're trying to sit all day. So it's a different story now once we hit November. But. Um, just yeah. mentioning that in case anybody out there who's listening or watching has been wondering the same thing. Did you, did you have any other things that you thought or had questions that popped up as someone a little bit more new to hunting um, that that you think, you know, other people might have these kind of questions too? Um, I think that the big one was the whole, 
at least for me, was the hunting etiquette. Like, how do you try to, you know, you don't want to ruin somebody else's hunt, especially like when I was going for um, uh, my first time doing archery. Thankfully, I had my my brother-in-law who's in the area who was able to, you know, help me. But out in this area, because I'm in, in Lancaster, th these areas are new for me. So like, I'm doing this by myself. So like, I'm trying not to disturb others while I'm trying to learn right. because I feel like someone could just be, you know, you're like, Oh, this dummy's coming through here and doesn't know what he's doing. And he's, you know, but of course down here, we have a lot of Amish and Amish. They make a lot of, they make a lot of noise when they walk through the woods. So I guess people out here are maybe used to it. I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, and um, I always try to talk to people. Like if I pull up at a hunting spot and there's another guy getting ready, I'll just be like, Hey, where are you headed? You know, I just, just so we're not overlapping each other. And um, I give them a general idea where I'm going. So, you know, so that we know where we're each other are at, you know, and then we're not like yeah. messing the other dude up. And not everybody is that quick to talk. I mean, you'll, you'll probably experience that over time. Like some guys, they just want to keep to themselves. They're not going to say anything unless you initiate it. So, but I'm, I don't mind initiating because in my mind, like, I want us both to have the best chance of success. And the, and the best way to do that is if we communicate a little bit about what we're doing. So yeah. don't ever, ever hesitate. If you see somebody getting ready to head in, just say, Hey, look, I'm a little bit new. I don't want to mess you up. Uh, I'm thinking of going over here. Is that anywhere near, am I going to mess you up there? Are you going a different direction? What's the deal? And then, you know, if he says, Oh, well, I'm going over here or, if he says, yeah, I was going to that area and you want to say, all right, well, I'll go somewhere else. You got any suggestions? I'm all ears. You, you, you might end up meeting a new hunting buddy. You know, you guys might start chatting, but um, just being open to ask and chat, you know, I think that goes a long way and, and helps everybody at the same time. Yeah. Now I am going to be looking at going uh, next weekend. I believe I'm going to be trying to go um, archery hunting again. So we'll see how okay. that is. And you were talking to me a little bit about like, you know, my first time doing that, everyone it felt like was in the first 25, 30 yards. They didn't even like really get off the, the road and they were already hunting. Do majority people just like, do a lot of people just hunt on the edge of the it, it, parking lot or do uh, they go into? It, yeah, it really depends. I mean, um, you remember where I lived in Pennsylvania with the mountains yeah. behind my house, like up in Lamar. And I mean, I would find, oh, yeah. I would hunt miles in and I was not the only one doing it. There was other guys. I'd go back two miles and then I'd have another dude walk past me. And it's like, dang, I, I was hoping to get away from people and that, and then they're <laughs> doing the same thing. So it really depends. But, um, I have hunted in areas where like you go in and you don't see too many deer, but you drive down the road and there's all these deer bouncing across the road. Um, and so it's, it actually seems better closer to the road. The bottom line is where's the food, where are they going to get their food and where's the cover? And sometimes the food and the cover is closer to the road, depending on how the woods are set up. Gotcha. So you want to find that. Now, if it's a scenario where I also want to get away from other hunters, then, then go deeper and look for food and cover. You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, there might be a lower number of deer deeper in if there's less food and cover uh, or just less food back there. But you might have a better chance if you don't have all these other guys kind of 
too close and messing you up, you know. So it it's a trade-off, and I'd say try both. You know what I mean? You're hunting a gotcha. new area. Try short a short hunt. Try a long hunt. Try a medium hunt. Like wherever you are hunting, though, try to find food sources. Now, we're November 2nd. Uh, a lot of crop fields are getting harvested. So deer are still hitting those after dark a lot of times to find, like, stuff that got missed by the harvesters. Um, so that's, you know, fields will still draw deer, but they typically, if they're getting pressured, they're not going to come out until after dark. So you need to find back in the woods where are they going to stage, where are they going to hang out and nibble on stuff until they can go out to that field. So you want to look for browse, like types of bushes that they're going to nibble on. Are there any bushes that still have green leaves? Um, that they might want to nibble on. Or, I mean, if you can tell there's certain bushes that are getting nibbled, like if you see little thorny bushes or thorny plants in the woods that are nibbled on the end, you know the deer are browsing on those. And so this might be an area where they're going to hold up and nibble until after dark and then go out. Now, being November 2nd, a lot of your acorn sources right now are starting to get really depleted. So they like to hit the white oaks first, which have you, you're a tree guy. So, you know, probably what a white yeah. oak is. <clears throat> yep. So, um, so the, uh, the white oaks are probably about done and they're going to have to start transitioning into their less preferred acorns. Like red oaks are more bitter. So they like to let those lay longer and, and have the rain and the snow wash out some of the turbidity, but they're going to start hitting those. And if, when that stuff starts to run out, then it's just like browse, you know. But my point is, what are they eating right now? What food can I find? And if I'm finding acorns, am I also finding fresh tracks and scat? Because if I'm not finding fresh tracks and scat, um, they're, they, may, they might have something else that they're preferring. So pulling it all together, when you're, gotcha. if you're going in medium or you're going in deep, just make sure you, you know what they're eating in those areas. Because, hey, man. They're animals like we are in the sense that we need food every single day. And they're going to go to wherever they can get food. And you have the – wherever you can find the best and easiest food source, you, you know, that's going to pull a lot of your does. And this time of year, the bucks are finding – looking for the does. So find those gotcha. easiest-to-find food sources, even if you're in deep. Um, that's where you're going to in, – in the evening. And then in the morning – you know, you look more for what's where's the best cover for bedding, uh, where are the best elevations where deer can get up high and look down and see danger coming or catch thermals in the morning coming up when the when it heats up, like on the south and east facing slopes, you know, there in Pennsylvania. So those are the types of things you want to look for when you're doing a morning or an evening hunt. I mean, especially as somebody new, um, you know, you might want to put extra effort in your afternoon sits because you can go in and see what you're dealing with. And, you know, the deer are usually traveling to a food source, so you can kind of catch them moving around. In the morning, it's sometimes a little harder to identify bedding areas when you're new. And so you may not always figure out where they're going. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. should still hunt. And, and you could even hunt, like, deep woods food sources because they're going to nibble on the way back to bed. But it's it's not always as easy. So anyhow, I know that you're new. I know that you don't always have somebody with you. Those would be some ways that I would kind of look at it if I was in your shoes right now. That's all. So I I, I didn't even think to look for all that stuff. But now, so getting even though we're in this season, 
and I want to get ready for next season, be a little bit more prepared. What would you recommend in the spring, summer? Like what, what are those cut type of things you would, you would do? Well, even when you're out right now, you, you are preparing for next year. So when you walk in the woods now, you want to read the sign. If you can find white oaks, that's a huge um, uh, preferred food source in the woods. And you want to go back next year to where the white oaks are and see, are they, do they have acorns? Are they producing this year? If they're not producing, it's as if the tree is not even there. It's not going to do you hardly any good. So you just got to keep walking. So now you're going to start, anytime you go in the woods, you're taking in information that you're also going to use next year. If you see white oaks, you, you, you maybe make a note in your phone, like if you have an app that you can make a waypoint or if you've got a GPS. I highly recommend asking for a GPS for Christmas. Wait for Black Friday deals and get a good one. Um, and we can talk – you and I can talk more about that because um, we're – I have that uh, – But um, what's that called? Hunt stand. Yeah, a lot of people use that. Um, I'm using Base Map, which is a lot like Onyx, just a lot cheaper. Um, oh, gotcha. So there's all these different apps, and um, but mark a, a white oak or mark a scrape, mark a bedding area. If you see a scrape now, like where he's pulled up, and I just released a video earlier today. You might not have seen it on making mock scrapes and mock rubs. Somebody asked me, actually, a friend of mine asked me to do it, so I, I did it. But you'll see like what I, what I did to make a mock scrape on the ground, look for scrapes, mark them in your phone. Gotcha. Okay. And then going into next year, go to those areas and see if those scrapes open up. Like in October is when they start laying those out in like the dominant areas. I've even run trail cameras on, on dominant scrapes all summer long and gotten huge bucks coming all year long to that dominant scrape but you they're not going to do it for every scrape it's only when you find a dominant scrape that's like a year-round scrape they're going to come and lick the overhanging limb and just smell who's been there all year long and when you find a dominant scrape that's something you can hunt even like early october um, but you you're taking all this information now and you want to go back and verify it as you get into like next year, like September time. Gotcha. And you want to go back and, and see, well, during the summer, you can go and check on the acorn production and see, Hey, oh, do we got any nuts this year? And if not, you, you need to nail that down. But early archery, there's so much green vegetation everywhere that they also can just wander and nibble and nibble and nibble. So, while those acorns are a great drawing compact, you know, component, you still got to be prepared for them to really kind of wander around sometimes if there's just a lot of browse to be feeding on. So, is that is that their main thing they like to eat is acorns? In the fall, they really want to pack on the body fat, and so that's one of their major sources for that. Um, wow, I never knew that. Oh yeah. I guess I never really thought about I guess I never really thought about what do deer eat. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, like a, that's like a standard right there. White oaks is like the the first words out of any hunter's mouth when they're hunting in the forest is white oaks right there. So that's That's my favorite tree to climb. Okay, well there you go. You and deer you 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 both love white oaks. So they just have a sweeter <laughs> taste than the other a lot of the other uh, species of oak. So um so yeah, try to identify those and then um that's a good starting point. And so I'm looking over at my clock. I think we're just getting close to being out of time for the podcast. We're reaching that out close to the hour mark. So um, is there any other comments or questions you have before we close out, Justin? No, I mean, if uh, who's listening, who has any questions that they even want to ask me, they can always hit me up on uh, my podcast and I can, you know, 
answer that way. So there is ways to still reach me. Yeah. Um, and if you want to hear more of me talk, you can always check out the podcast. <laughs> yeah, growing Catholics, baby. And you'll get to meet his wife on there as well, Mercedes. So yep. um, great people. And uh, Justin, I thank you for being part of the podcast here today. And this is an experiment. Folks who are watching, this is my first time trying to record a, a podcast virtually. So um, hopefully... I have no idea if any of this worked out. We're going to find out. I mean, people who are watching or listening already know if it worked out or not. But um, anyhow, uh, thank you all so much for uh, being part of the podcast today or listening and being part of this Faith and the Outdoors community. And again, look for links. Thanks for having me. uh, Growing Catholics podcast as well with Justin Boucher and both Justin and Mercedes. And um, all right, Justin, thank you so much for being part of this today. And you and I are going to be in touch because – we're often in touch these days to talk hunting and yeah. faith and everything else. So it's awesome. Yep. And yeah, thank you again for, for having me. Amen, brother. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Everybody else. I want to say take care. God bless. And thanks for tuning in. See ya.